Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting, Worldwide KFUO, online at KFUO.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind. That is the mind of Christ. And help us do that today. We have our full assortment of the cohort of Christ confessing Concordians here today. We have layman Peter Slayton, social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We have Pastor Merritt Dembski, pastor at Emmanuel in Waterloo, Illinois, and Pastor Peter Ill, who is pastor at Trinity in Milstadt, and I am Pastor Sean Smith. And I must apologize, I am coming from my office here in southern Illinois, and they're working on the foundation of our building that my office is in. So if you hear some noise in the background, it's just them working on that foundation, but you have nothing to fear because we're talking about our foundation, who is Christ Jesus, our Lord, and there's no problems with that foundation. So with that, let's just go ahead and get right to our text uh, for today. We continue to work our way through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We took a break last week uh, for a special five-year anniversary of the Concord Matters show, and uh, the original hosts of the show held that uh, last week, led by Pastor Shear. Um, and so you can certainly go check that out on the archives. There was giveaways. It was good, good time to kind of recap where we've been and, and, and the whole purpose of this show. So I certainly commend that to you as well. But we're going to continue to work our way then through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We're on Article 24 of the Mass. And uh, we, we had this before the break for the five-year anniversary. And uh, um, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it to Pastor Dembski, who's completely unaware of this. But he's going to give us a little recap. What what have we been discussing? Very briefly, don't go too in-depth, but what have we been discussing on this article? Get us caught up. The Mass. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Was, okay, that was brief. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. A, a little more, please. No, okay, when you okay. give no so, show prep, that's what you get. <laughs> it is my so, fault. I have two funerals this week, though, so that's why I'm not in studio with you guys. So I apologize. That's no, my out. No, no, you're fine. Thank you for being a good pastor. Um, the uh, so the article on the mass. Uh, we've we've talked about some of these articles that some of them try to articulate where there is unity and where there is not disagreement, and also at times uh, why there is disagreement and where the disagreement is. And this kind of has a little bit of both, because there's times where it's saying, uh, where the reformers are saying, hey, we have no problem with uh, various uh, ceremonies and prayers, investments, and all those kind of things, but when they pull us away from Christ and they pull us away from Scripture, that's where we have a problem. And one of the problems being when we uh, look at the Mass, not all of this stuff revolving around the Mass, but what the theology is and what is being practiced when it comes to the Mass, um, that uh, things are being done, the Mass is being performed, uh, the fancy Latin phrase ex opera operato, the, it's just being done for the sake of doing it, that you are in the presence of it, uh, 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 one of the priests said the Mass on your behalf or on the behalf of someone else, and so it's all good because it was done, and it removes the, the faith element from it. And so uh, the the Reformers are trying to distinguish between uh, the sacrifice and ceremony and uh, uh, the fact that uh, 
uh, the atoning sacrifice versus Eucharistic sacrifice and all that kind of stuff that they're trying to articulate the terms better so that we can know what we're talking about before there's just disagreement and, and chaos of yeah, Pastoral's looking at me to correct something. No, not to correct at all. I was simply going to uh, summarize the summary just a touch and say this is a battle on two fronts. Okay, after you're done, then, uh, then Peter then Slate Peter can summarize your summary. Twitter so. summary version of oh, uh, 280 characters okay, or less. Okay, go for it. This is a battle on two fronts. First and foremost, there is, well, first, there is the practical what does the church service, the divine service, uh, the meal, the mass, look like and after the confessors lay out what the divine service looks like they then go in to unpack the theology of the mass and of the lord's supper and so we are talking both practice and doctrine uh, in that order today as we go through this look people it's all about jesus define your terms well said (laughs) (laughs) that's almost good enough to go up on twitter That is true. Uh, Yeah, good summary on all parts, actually. I I, I definitely want to commend you, brothers, for doing the job that I bring you on this show to do, to uh, talk about what we're talking about But we still have 45 uh, minutes left. What are we going to do now? That was what we said two weeks ago. Today we get to say new things. Oh, sweet. Oh, I thought we were going to play the alphabet game. We could do that, too. That's what we used to do on Pastor Smith is in here, so he has no control over us here in the studio. Poor Pastor Smith. That's true. I know, it's... But let's get back. Yes. I, I do want to commend you. That that was a good uh, good a recap for all the way around. Uh, so thank you for all of that, for getting us caught up and, and, and just kind of talking about what we're wrestling with here. And, and it goes on for several pages. I mean, this this is a, a very important thing. Uh, you know, theology really is, is lived out in the way that we live as church, the way that we conduct ourselves when we gather together as church. And so this, this is a, a big issue for the reformers in that sense, um, especially as we see it here in the Apology. It's much shorter in the Augsburg Confession itself, but then they, they saw in the Confutation that there were the, some very big disagreements on this. And so uh, uh, I certainly commend those that recap for us. But we're going to go ahead and pick up then at paragraph 30 as we continue to talk about specifically this issue that uh, Pastor Dembski, you brought up, especially the ex opere operato, that Latin phrase, which means in the doing of the doing, as Pastor Ill loves to say. And uh, uh, that is that is a good uh, a good kind of a translation of what's going on there so that uh, we, we can see, look, it's not just in doing of the work that it does anything. It, it obviously takes us back to the power of God's word and what's really going on, defining our terms, as all of you said, uh, really quite well. So let's go ahead and jump in there. I'm going to read a little bit, beginning with paragraph 30 of Article 24 of the Mass from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. If you're following along in your Concordia Reader's Edition, uh, it's on page 225 uh, in the second edition of that Reader's Edition. Scripture is full of such references that teach that sacrifices by the outward act, that is, ex opere operato, do not reconcile God. Since Levitical services have been repealed, the New Testament teaches that new and pure sacrifices will be made. Faith, prayer, thanksgiving, confession, confession, the preaching of the gospel, troubles on account of the gospel, and the like. All right, now he's going to cite Malachi here, and I definitely want to get into that, but but kind of brief recap. Talk about what, what does he talk about here with Levitical services have been repealed? What is 
what do we mean by that? Uh, so let's deal with that first, and then we'll talk about these these new and pure sacrifices and what's meant by that. Uh, Pastor L, I'll throw it to you first. Okay. In AD 70, uh, so shortly, uh, about 40 years after Jesus was crucified and rose and ascended into heaven, the temple in Jerusalem was knocked down and destroyed. And no longer were there sacrifices in the temple or really anywhere else. And that left a big question for people saying, well, now what, what are the sacrifices that we should offer to God in order to to reconcile us to him and him to us. But the fact is, the great sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, had already been offered. And it turns out that following the sacrifice of Jesus, those sacrifices of animals at the temple was really kind of like lipstick on a pig. There was no amount of, uh, of sacrifice that could merit forgiveness because forgiveness had been won through Jesus Christ. And... Now that these are gone, we offer to God preaching, prayer, thanksgiving, uh, uh, charitable gifts, and so on, not in order to reconcile us to God. That has been done, but as our gifts of thanksgiving and praise. I think to to add to that as a kind of coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective to add more to the dimension here is the the word repealed, I think, can be a little odd. I think biblically we often talk about fulfilled. These these Levitical practices, these sacrifices have been fulfilled in Christ. So repealed isn't like the wrong word. I'm not saying that, but thinking about it in terms of fulfilled, well, now we have Christ. It's already been fulfilled. So it's almost like Melanchthon is telling the adversaries, look, you're looking at the Old Testament and these Levitical practices as if Jesus had never died on the cross. You're you're You have to look at them remembering that the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, really the only sacrifice has already been made. No more are needed. And so now what we have are God's word, his promises that we are continually sharing with the people, the, the, how does it, the preaching of the gospel, troubles on account of the gospel and the like, and we're going to get into that more. That's now what we use to point to the one sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice. Right. And and you guys are kind of referencing there, too, that I, I like your picking up there on the fulfilled. That is generally the biblical way of which we speak. And, and here I'll just have to confess that looking at either the German or the Latin versions of this uh, um, Apology of the Augsburg Confession, I, I have not done that, and I don't uh, really work in those languages as well. Uh, so I, I wouldn't really be able to do it too much. But I, I do kind of wonder um, about the nature of the translation to repealed there. But repealed doesn't necessarily take away the understanding of what we talk about when we talk about biblically fulfilled. Right. Um, uh, in the sense that, you know, repealed means to revoke or withdraw, right? And so uh, if you're withdrawing something, it's because something has been taken care of. It's no longer necessary. And so here I would say, I think that's an excellent point that you make there, uh, but it also does connect us back to earlier, especially around paragraph 22 I see here, uh, where they're referencing there in Hebrews how, you know, the, the blood, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's from Hebrews 10, 4 there. And uh, Hebrews talks about this all the way through, that Jesus Christ is that once for all sacrifice, that that's all that's necessary. And those Old Testament sacrifices didn't even really reconcile us to God. They were always 
always pointing us forward to that once for all sacrifice that was to be in Christ. And so uh, that's that's a great kind of point that you're making there, that because it's fulfilled in Christ, it's no longer necessary. And so that's what it's repealed. And then, right, I, I like what you added there, uh, Pastor L, too, about how, you know, these things that we offer to God, the, these are not for reconciliation purposes either. And it's good to make that distinction as well. However, we do that because that's where God uh, interacts with us and we continue to interact with him. Pastor Dempsey. Well, in the, uh, the talking about this um, uh, repealed statement and, and some of the things, Far too often, we were just talking about before the show started, when people talk about, uh, uh, you've done something wrong, but it's okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. God loves you anyways, just the way you are. Exactly. Everything's fine. It's like, no, it wasn't. uh, The the smitten, stricken, and afflicted hymn that we sing during Lent, if you think of sins but lightly, look at what the cost was. Mm. You know, look at the cross, look at where Christ went for the sake of your sins, so that now in him... Uh, as I was looking at this, that new and pure sacrifices will be made, faith, prayer, thanksgiving, confession, and preaching, because we are covered by that perfect sacrifice. So now these givings, these sacrifices of praying and thanking are perfect and pure because they are in Christ. And so the just the, that realization is, is beautiful. That it's not because we've got a better mindset or we've we've done something slightly better now, but because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice and he covers us now as we pray and give thanks, now those things are pure as well as they are in him. Well said. All right, so let's go ahead and get to some of that sacrifice language, especially as they then take us in paragraph 31 back to Malachi there in the Old Testament. And so I'll pick up reading there at paragraph 31. Malachi speaks about these sacrifices. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. That's Malachi 1 verse 11. The adversaries perversely apply this passage to the Mass and quote the authority of the fathers. That being a capital F referencing the church fathers there is what they mean by the authority of the fathers. A reply, however, is easy. Even if this passage spoke most particularly about the Mass, it would not make sense that the Mass justifies by the outward act, once again, ex opere operato, or that when applied to others, it merits the forgiveness of sins. The prophet says nothing about those things that the monks and philosophers rudely make up. By the way, I'm just going to pause here. Have you guys noticed how often, like, he says rudely and, you know, those those sorts of things here in the apology? This is, I mean, this this is kind of the scandal of things, is that when you are inventing theologies, it is really quite rude and quite uh, offensive um, what's being done because you're leading people away from Christ. And we've made that point, but it just kind of struck me there as I read it that, you know, this this really is quite rude. Besides the very words of the prophet express his meaning. First, his words say this, the name of the Lord will be great. This is accomplished by the preaching of the gospel. Through this preaching, Christ's name is made known and the Father's mercy promised in Christ is recognized. The preaching of the gospel produces faith in those who receive the gospel, Romans ten seventeen. They call upon God, give thanks to God, bear troubles for their confession, and produce good works for Christ's glory. So the name of the Lord becomes great among the Gentiles, as it says in Malachi one eleven. Therefore, incense and a pure offering means not a ceremony by the outward act, but all those sacrifices through which the name of the Lord becomes great, faith, 
invocation, the preaching of the gospel, confession, and so on. If anyone would have this term include the ceremony of the Mass, we readily concede it, provided he neither understands the ceremony alone nor teaches that the ceremony benefits by the outward act. We include the preaching of the word among the sacrifice of praise, that is, among the praises of God. So the reception itself of the Lord's Supper can be praise or thanksgiving, but it does not justify by the outward act. Neither is it to be applied to others to merit the forgiveness of sins for them. Later, we will explain how even a ceremony is a sacrifice. Malachi speaks about all the services of the New Testament, and not only about the Lord's Supper. Likewise, since he does not favor the Pharisaic opinion about the outward act, opus operatum, he is not against us, but rather helps us. He requires services of the heart through which the name of the Lord becomes truly great. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pause there. All right, so he's kind of laid this foundation, taking us back to Malachi and just kind of doing simple pastoral tasks, although Melanchthon writing this is not a pastor. He's a layman, but a theologian. And uh, this is certainly subscribed to by the other theologians and pastors of the Reformation, as we still subscribe to it today as faithful teaching from Scripture, that he takes us back and does the simple task of teaching. All right, you're citing this, but this is what Malachi is talking about. So go ahead and talk about that, brothers. What, 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 is, what does Melanchthon take us back to here in this teaching? Melanchthon is really driving us back to this idea that when the community gathers around God's word, there is a element where you are giving things to God, not for the sake of God needing those things. After all, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. God doesn't need sacrifices. He calls for faith. And... As we give praise and thanksgiving and the preaching of the gospel, as we receive the Lord's Supper with joy and so on, we end up giving a witness to ourselves of our faith. But I think we also get to give a witness to the rest of the Christian community of our faith. Sometimes I think it's easy to fall into this idea that everybody gathers at church to receive the same gifts individually at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, we all we all have a get-together, and we all get jesus I'm I'm here, but it's really just me and Jesus. It, and so it's like the hub of a wheel and spokes. Yeah. But what Melanchthon is arguing is that we aren't just here, a bunch of me's and Jesus together. Instead, we are the community of faith, and my confession of faith, my proclamation and joy at hearing the gospel, my joy at receiving the Lord's Supper, is a sacrifice not only of thanksgiving to God, but also of a sacrifice of thanksgiving before my neighbor and before the other Christians who are gathered together. And I think looking at this through faith is is the key to, to getting this. Because I hear this phrase, I read this phrase, he requires services of the heart. And just coming from my own background, that to me, if I don't understand services of the heart as actually faith, all right, so that what that means is I have to feel the right way or I have to have this right emotion because, you know, of the heart, well, that's an emotional thing in our in our culture. So it's very easy to read this and think, oh, so it's not outward acts. It's all about my inward emotional state as I'm a part of this. But no, even that's the wrong direction. Services of the heart is really a reference to faith and belief and actually believing 
God's promises that you're receiving. Well, and to that point, when we came to the end uh, of this section, it talked about we include the preaching of the word among the sacrifice sacrifices of praise, that is, among the praises of God. I I think so oftentimes about when I hear people talk about why we go to church, and uh, for many it is so that we can praise God, which is good, but it'll be kind of a in order to earn salvation, in order to... Or his find... favor in some vague way. Right. Yeah. yeah and You're earning something from God. Right. Yeah. Versus it being a, hi, I just, I pulled you from death to life. I've given you eternal life and us praising his name, thanking him for what he has done for us. It's turned on its head and ends up being a, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. And hopefully you'll hear it and things will be good between us and, you know, that kind of thing. Because, God, to... I showed up for that one hour on Sunday. Right. So now we're good, right? Right, exactly. When we started this article um, several weeks ago, one of the, the things that we visited about then was that the Mass, the divine service, is God speaking in his word and in his sacraments. Ultimately, he is speaking to us in Christ. And when he speaks to us in Christ, we are given a new heart, and from our new heart of Christ flows that sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to God. And so the divine service is a conversation, not a one-way monologue of of people to God. But a lot of times when we think about worship, we think about this monologue of, I'm going to worship God and tell God how great he is. But the truth is, I can't do that until he talks to me first. I, I like where you took us there, Pastor Hill. At, uh I, w- I was thinking the same thing that about over a month ago when we started this article, we spent pretty much that entire first show talking about the direction of what's going on in the Mass. And you you had cited on that first show uh, the from the introduction to Lutheran worship, the, the Blue Hymnal, and I just want to recall a few words from there on this. Our Lord speaks and we listen. His word bestows what it says, faith that is born from what is heard, acknowledges the gifts received with eager thankfulness and praise. And so we see that faith is born from the word and then acknowledges with thankfulness and praise. And then I had cited in that first show from the Lutheran service book, I like what it does here as well. And again, a a recall for us, it begins, our Lord is the Lord who serves. Jesus Christ came into the flesh not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They're obviously quoting scripture. And it goes on for two paragraphs in that introduction to the Lutheran service book talking about how our Lord serves us. And then in the third paragraph, it says this beautiful little move. It says, The Lord's service calls forth our service and sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to him and in loving service to one another. I think this makes a point of what uh, we were making back in that first show. This is where this article is going to go, that you really do have to get the direction right. And and here especially, I love this move that the, the reformers make, especially Melanchthon in writing this, is that he takes us right back to Scripture and the teaching of, look, this is what Malachi was doing. We're not just making this stuff up about the direction being right, that it's God who serves us, and that does call forth our response. Our post-communion collect has this nature of it too as well, right? That as as we've been strengthened in the true body and blood, we go and love and serve one another. That's, that's always kind of the nature of what's going on in our work. But I do think that you guys are right, um, as we talked about especially extensively in that first show, that in common American Christianity today, 
the the idea of worship is so focused and it's even influenced many many lutherans that i've seen i i've even been influenced by this in my own life that uh you know we we think that our going to worship is about us and god us to god and and really only that and really we got to get the direction right and understand that it's us to him and ours is only in response to what he here gives us and and so that is a very important point with only a couple minutes before break do you guys have anything to add on this point i, I don't want to bring up a new subject and then have to jump right to break and just the fact that it's at least for me kind of revolutionary when you think about what the worship is and what the liturgy is that we don't just go before a god who is kind of abstract and out there that we don't know how to talk to that we don't know what he desires of us instead he gives us his own words he tells us what he does for us and then he gives us the psalms he gives us all of scripture that we can then pray and sing back to him in praise and glory of what he has done in response to that salvation and i was going to add that this view of worship does make it more freeing uh, because it's no longer the pressure on me to figure out, you know, what do I have to do? What's the right thing for me to do? But at the same time, it's it's also a little more scary because I'm going to church and I'm going to hear from God initially how bad I actually am. And I don't like hearing that. But thankfully, because we talk, uh, talking about it as a conversation, I will also hear, well, okay, but I've taken care of that. God saying to me, I've taken care of that. Here's my son for you. Yes, you really are that bad. And it's actually, in fact, worse than you think. But my son, Jesus Christ, has taken care of that for you. And that's what we're here at church to talk about and to proclaim and to hear and to be comforted in that, not in, did I do the right works for God today during worship so that he's happy with me for the rest of the week? No, I'm forgiven. That's what we're here for on Sunday at church. We could be honest. Yeah. I, I was sinful. And I, I, we don't have to wear a mask and pretend or try to justify it. Instead, we can be honest. I did things wrong this week, and here's what Christ has done to yep. forgive. Yep. It is indeed freeing. And with that, I'll uh, go ahead and free you. If you're driving on this cold, uh, somewhat flurry day, you can stop, get a cup of coffee. And uh, if you're listening online, you can stop and use the restroom. Whatever you need to do, you are free to do so as we will take a break. But please come right back after this. St. Paul's Lutheran Church de Pere invites you to a service of sacred music featuring St. Paul's choirs, handbells, and orchestra on Saturday, December 8th at 5 p.m. and Sunday, December 9th at 4 p.m. Pre-service music will begin 20 minutes before the hour. St. Paul's is located at the intersection of Manchester and Ballas Roads across from West County Mall. May your heart be filled with peace and joy as you hear the Word of God proclaimed in word and song, The Savior Jesus was born for you. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. 
Martin Luther said that next to the Word of God, music deserves the highest praise. At St. Paul's Music Conservatory in Council Bluffs, Iowa, we believe that music is a vehicle for the gospel. Through the creation of resources based on our historic hymns of the faith, we seek not only to develop students musically, but also to develop them for service in the church. To learn more about our resources, visit our website, www.stpaulsmusicconservatory.org. St. Paul's Music Conservatory, where music serves. Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a at sunset on December 2nd, Jews around the world began the celebration of the Festival of Lights, known as Hanukkah. It's a commemoration of the rededication of the temple during the 2nd century B.C., when Jews defeated the armies of the Maccabean Revolt. The nightly lighting of the menorah is a significant part of the holiday. In the modern menorah, there are nine candle holders. The center flame is used to light each of the other eight during the eight-day celebration. And each day, sections of numbers 7-1 through 8-4 is read from the Torah. And families recite the Hallel, the praise and gratitude-themed Psalms 113 through 118. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Engage with the Bible in its impact over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind. That is the mind of Christ. I'm so glad you came back from our break. You got your breaks in that you needed. And we're back here as uh, we are coming to you live here on this snow flurry day here in the Midwest with our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians, layman Peter Slayton. Uh, social media manager for the LCMS. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted here. Peter Ill through Skype is trying to mimic something to me, and I'm not I'm not making out Give the out hand Give out the phone signals. number. Give out the phone number. Do you number. want me to steal third base? Uh, yes, <laughs> do steal third base. And while you're stealing third, uh, you can call in here at uh, 314-821-0850, or you can reach us on social media. That is the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram at KFUO Radio, or you can send us an email at KFUO, uh, that would be uh, KFUO at KFUO.org. Okay, thanks for that. All Shameless right. plug. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish re reintroducing the cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians. All right, so layman Peter Slayton, social media manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Pastor Merritt Dembski, Pastor of Emmanuel in Waterloo, Illinois, Pastor Peter Ill, who gave us that helpful contact information because we are a live interaction show. We don't have gifts to give away like we did last week for the five-year anniversary, but nonetheless, you can call in and interact with us. You can ask your questions, and uh, that, that'll be uh, great to uh, receive that information from you. And I'll just trust Pastor Ill to go ahead and relay that information when 
it comes up visible to him because I can't see that because I'm Pastor Sean Smith and I'm coming to you from my office here in Southern Illinois at my parish and uh, uh, where they are doing some work on our building. So I apologize if there's any noise that you hear in the background, although they've been very helpful in being quiet and I'm certainly thankful for them doing their vocation very faithfully and well for us here, but, uh, but also being respectful and keeping the noise down for us. So I thank them for that. Back to our article here, Article 24 of the Mass from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We uh, we were talking just before the break there about this biblical foundation of getting the, the direction of what goes on in worship right. It's God who serves us. It, it, it's the sacrifice of his son for us, for the whole world. And all who believe in him receive that by faith and trust in him. And then, of course, respond in praise and thanksgiving. And that's a very, very right foundation to understand. And, and I would say very foundational to understanding what it is as a Lutheran Christian. A lot of times we all get these questions, uh, you know, what, what distinguishes uh, the, the Lutherans from other church denominations? And there's a lot of things that we can point to. One of the things I often point to is, is, is this. We understand the direction of what goes on in worship, that it is a God who serves us, and we respond in praise and thanksgiving uh, for all the marvelous things that he does and serves us with in the divine service and, and that's a that's a, a definite mark of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate especially I would say so uh, then getting back into our uh, article here with that biblical foundation they, they push forward and they give another passage again also cited from Malachi here so I will go ahead and continue reading here another I'm picking up with paragraph 34 in the Concordia Reader's Edition, Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 24 of the Mass. Another passage also is cited from Malachi. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness. That's Malachi 3.3. This passage clearly requires the sacrifices of the righteous and so does not favor the opinion about the outward act, opus operatum. But the sacrifices of the sons of Levi, that is, of those teaching in the New Testament, are the preaching of the gospel and the good fruit of preaching. About this, Paul says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen sixteen is what he cites there. He means that the Gentiles may be offerings acceptable to God through faith. In the law, the slaying of victims illustrated both Christ's death and the preaching of the gospel, by which this old flesh should be put to death and the new and eternal life be begun in us. But everywhere, the adversaries wrongly apply the name sacrifice to the ceremony alone. They leave out the preaching of the gospel, faith, prayer, and similar things, although the ceremony has been established because of these. The New Testament should have sacrifices of the heart, not ceremonies for sin that are to be performed like the Levitical priesthood. They cite also the daily sacrifice. See Exodus 29, 38-39, Daniel 8, 11, and 12, 11. Just as there was a daily sacrifice in the law, so the Mass should be a daily sacrifice of the New Testament. The adversaries have made out well if we allow ourselves to become overcome by allegories. Clearly, allegories do not produce firm proofs. We readily allow the Mass to be understood as a daily sacrifice, as long as that includes the entire Mass. The ceremony with the preaching of the gospel, faith, invocation, and thanksgiving 
joined together, these are a daily sacrifice of the New Testament because the ceremony of the Mass or the Lord's Supper was set up because of these things. The Mass is not to be separated from them. So Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11.26 But it cannot be shown from the Levitical type that a ceremony justifying by the outward outward work, ex opere operato, is necessary or should be applied on behalf of others, that it may merit the forgiveness of sins for them. I'm going to go ahead and pause there. So, all right, so he's given another passage here, and, and here we, we laid the direction, and, and we, we've been on this article for over a month now, and we, in the first half of the show, uh, talked about that passage from Malachi 1.11, taking us back to how we, we talked earlier in the show uh, about uh, we got to get the direction right. We've also talked about on this show um, that we have to understand the terms that we're using, and, and Pastor Dembski and Pastor Ill and also Layman Slayton all pointed to this in their little bit of summary that we had to begin our show today, that uh, it's about Jesus and we need to define our terms. I believe that was the Twitter uh, version that uh, <laughs> Layman Slayton gave us. And uh, and so this this citation of Malachi from 3.3 then gets back to that point that we've made about defining our terms, sacrifice, ceremony, what's going on there. Layman Slayton, I'm going to throw it to you since you uh, you had that wonderful Twitter version for us. <laughs> well, I think what we're also getting here is a reminder that God has always attached his promise to physical things. So I, I really like uh, paragraph, I guess it's the end of paragraph 34, but everywhere the adversaries wrongly apply the name sacrifice to the ceremony alone. They leave out the preaching of the gospel, faith, prayer, and similar things, although the ceremony has been established because of these. Even the Levitical ceremonies, all of those were established by God's decree because of his promise where he says, I am going to work through these means to bring my word, my promise to my people. He's always done that. So faith, as we were talking about before the break, has always been a part of this. And it's particularly appropriate that we talk about this in the context of the Lord's Supper. And what's helpful to me as I'm processing this is even with the Lord's Supper, we recognize that this is not a ceremony apart from faith. Because as Paul says, you can eat and drink to your condemnation. And so the, this is a ceremony where if you eat and drink to your condemnation, that's a matter of, I think I can say faith. Pastors, feel free to correct me if I'm getting this a little bit wrong here. But that a matter of faith where a non-Christian, for example, comes up and communes at the altar, doesn't believe that this is the body and blood of Christ, does not confess what we confess about the faith, uh, is not trusting in Christ alone as their Savior. And they come up and they receive that body and blood the outward act, as we're talking about here, they do that outward act, it actually condemns them. And so this this alone should be enough of a case against the adversaries that, look, it cannot simply be the outward act that we're talking about here, because here's an example where Paul says, look, this outward act, it's condemning them, because it's actually a matter of faith. You got to have faith and trust in the right object and the right person in, in the Lord's Supper, especially because hey, this is really bad for you. Some of you are sick, and some of you have even died because of this. This is not simply an outward act that delivers. There's faith involved here. 
Indeed there is. And as we continue talking about this passage, Cheryl from Indianapolis has given us a call on our live call-in show. And she has uh, a question on uh, paragraph 35 here in Article 24. Cheryl, welcome to Concord Matters. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question concerns where, where they say um, we, um, as the day, a daily sacrifice, as long as that includes the entire Mass, the ceremony with the preaching of the gospel, and then later it says, the Mass is not to be separated from them. Well, concerning that, and what I grew up with was the Lutheran hymnal, page 5, the order of morning service without communion. What does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful Lutheran question. I, I think some of this, if I can take a first stab at it, is this is not a decree that you must have Mass every day. This is a recognition of the practice at the time, which is a good and right and salutary practice, is that many churches did have Mass every day. I'm actually I'm, I'm familiar with at least one LCMS congregation that does offer divine service every day, uh, except for Monday. Um, And so they're simply recognizing that Mass, when done every day, should include all of these things. You you don't pick and choose. So they're not saying you can't do matins, you can't do morning prayer, you shouldn't do these other things unless you're also using, unless you're also having the Lord's Supper. They're simply saying daily Mass, when you have Mass every day, should actually be all of these. Well, and if I'm thinking correctly, wasn't part of the problem that uh, people were essentially paying to have masses said for them kind of in private just on their own so part of the pushback here is also having to do with not getting rid of all the other stuff just so you can say the the words of institution and boom you're done is and now i can get well? 50 in in a day because we're bringing in so much money for these private masses right yeah. is that part of it as well it is okay and i think another thing that uh, contributes to this is the the mass the divine service isn't just eating and drinking but it is hearing the word of god ultimately it is jesus christ our lord who comes to us in the lord's supper it is jesus christ our lord who comes to us in the divine service and so our focus is always on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith the object of our faith and we don't trim any parts out we don't go through the motions or have the ceremony and then go on to the next thing uh, And I also would say this isn't referring to have Mass or have the divine service every day, but rather when you do have divine service, and if you want to have it as often as every day, go you. Uh, But when you have the divine service, include the reading of Scripture, a sermon, prayers, faith, and so on, so that these things aren't neglected or left out, and thereby our eyes are taken off of Jesus and become fixed on the Lord's Supper apart from Jesus. That's a a, a subtle temptation that can come into the Christian life. Yeah, I think a lot of times a lot of this can be just taken care of uh, with teaching and evaluating what's going on. And I like what you did, Pastor Dembski, there. You took us back to what was the context of what they were dealing with at the time uh, when the Augsburg Confession and then the Apology were were what they were responding to going on at their time. And then, uh, was it Cheryl was the name of our caller? Yes. Yep, that was Cheryl. Yes, thank Thanks you. Thanks for calling, and, Cheryl. And, that was a great question. Yeah, definitely. 
And, and and I think that that question is is a really good question that we read this and we and we see it not as prescriptive for how we how we live out our lives now you know kind of in a command sense um, of that you have to do it this way but then we we can also then likewise evaluate our current practices and and history's just messy it is what it is and i have uh congregations that still have the tlh and so i still use the 5 and 15 and uh that morning worship and we've had conversations even here in the dual parish that i serve about you know uh is it the best idea for us uh to still be doing page 5 essentially should should we have the lord's supper more often and uh those those have not progressed to doing lord's supper every sunday or anything of that nature, even offering daily um, uh, divine service and so forth. But uh, I think it's helpful for us as Christians to evaluate what is the theology that goes along with our practice, because these things go hand in hand, and just think about these things. And, and, and let that inform our practice is what is it we want to confess with this? And so we, we can see, you know, that there were practical things when in 1941, when the TLH came out, um, that, uh, you know, pastors, they sometimes had to travel around to several parishes and sometimes you had to have, uh, you know, lay folks and other folks kind of lead a service and page five became very useful for that, um, when a pastor couldn't just be physically present there. There were some other things that were coming, of course, uh, out of the Depression era and wartime and things like that. And so just resources were difficult and things of that nature. And so there's there's lots of things that played into how our congregations got to not having every Sunday communion, because that would have certainly been the practice of our uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod founders and so forth. But then things had come up that, that just we got away from that practice. And so it does well for us to ask that sort of question. What does this mean for us and what does it mean for our context? And 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 we ask that not in a sense of, well, we have to do this or we're not really Lutheran or we have to do this because or else we're sinning and not, nothing like that, but letting it say, well, this is what we believe and this is what it is offered to us and that we should rejoice in that. And so when we wrestle with these things, when we think about these things, when we teach these things, my observation has been that a lot of these things really do get worked out and reformed and, and and when we start to think about it in that kind of sense. And so uh, I thank you for your question and, and hopefully that inspires, um, you know, us all to kind of, you know, think about and evaluate these things in our, in our present context and how they got, how we got where we are and what is it that we believe and, and what is it that we want to confess by what we continue to do as a church that gathers together. And, uh, and certainly our confessions would encourage that, this is this is a beautiful thing that our Lord offers us, and yet at the same time, Pastor L made the the excellent point there too, that as we continue to gather together, we are still gathering around His Word that comes to us, His absolution spoken to us, and uh, and then we also, of course, respond in praise and thanksgiving and and all of that as well. So so we continue to gather faithfully in our present context, even when we use page five or or have a divine service without the Lord's Supper, and yet uh, we also acknowledge that, uh, you know, there's something beautiful to confess about our faith with it. I thought you were going to say you were, you hope it inspires more people to call in with their questions, which, that, which that also could be also good. be said. Yeah. You just said that though. Not, not me. So thank you for that. Hey, you're welcome. Cause, right. cause we like it when people call in and ask us questions that we helps do. make this more relevant sometimes when we're actually answering questions. 
Absolutely. No, Merritt, you you cannot call and ask a question. You're actually on the air as Aww. a as a host. Okay. <laughs> they gave you a microphone. You don't need to tell. Yeah, you can just ask the question just straight up. You don't have to call in. <laughs> All right. Anything further on that uh, that section that we were uh, citing with that another passage from Malachi three three? Anything else you guys want to? Uh, I'm seeing Pastor Il shake his head at me through Skype, and so that would be uh, a no. All right. So let's go ahead and pick up with uh, paragraph thirty six and push forward. Then here, the type represents appropriately not only the ceremony. I should pause. I, I was asked to make sure that I, I continually remind because people tune in and out of shows uh, throughout the hour. And so I should remind where we are. Um, uh, it's kind of like our sermons in that sense, right, pastors, that people are constantly checking in and out of our <laughs> sermons. So let's let's remind where we're working from here. So we're in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 24 of the Mass, and we're picking up, I'm picking up, reading with uh, paragraph 36. Though if we the, have to let people know that we're at page 226 of our sermon, we might have a good reason why they're tuning in. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we're on page 227. That's true. Yeah. I'm already checking so. Facebook just as you guys got talking. It's like, I'm out of here. I'm checking Facebook. Yeah. Those social media guys. I don't know. All right. Let's, let's get back in here. Good stuff. The type represents appropriately not only the ceremony, but also the preaching of the gospel. In Numbers 28, 4 through 8, three parts of that daily sacrifice are represented. The burning of the lamb, the drink offering, and the offering of wheat flour. The law had pictures or shadows of future things, Colossians 2.17. So this is what I was referencing earlier, that all of these things were foreshadowing us to Christ. Uh, that's me talking here, not the apology, but back to the apology. So Christ and the entire worship of the New Testament are shown in this picture. The burning of the lamb illustrates Christ's death. The drink offering illustrates that everywhere in the entire world, by the preaching of the gospel, believers are sprinkled with the blood of that lamb that is sanctified. Peter says... That is St. Peter, not one of the Peters we have in studio there. In the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling of his blood, 1 Peter 1, 2. The offering of wheat flour means faith, prayer, and thanksgiving in hearts. Therefore, in the Old Testament, the shadow is discerned. In the New, the thing illustrated should be sought, and not another type as sufficient for a sacrifice. Although a ceremony is a memorial of Christ's death, it alone is not the daily sacrifice. The memory itself is the daily sacrifice, that is, preaching and faith. Faith truly believes that by Christ's death, God has been reconciled. A drink offering is required, that is, the effect of preaching, in order that, being sprinkled by the gospel with the blood of Christ, we may be sanctified as those put to death and made alive. Offerings also are required, that is, thanksgiving, confessions, and troubles. The Pharisaic opinion of the outward act, opus operatum, being cast aside, let us understand that spiritual worship and a daily sacrifice of the heart are meant, because in the New Testament, the substance of good things should be sought for. Uh, this is kind of the point that I was just making about uh, page 15 and having the divine service with the Lord's Supper. We're, we're going to want to seek this if we, if we believe, if our theology states that, that Christ comes to us in this way, and so we want to seek Christ. Um, so getting back here... Um, uh, yep, sought for. This means the Holy Spirit putting the flesh to death and new life. These things should make it clear that the type of daily sacrifice declares nothing against us, but rather for us, because we look for all the parts illustrated by the daily sacrifice. 
The adversaries falsely imagine that the ceremony alone is meant, and not also the preaching of the gospel, putting the flesh to death, and enlivening of the heart, and so forth. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pause there. Let's let's uh, take that chunk there. Brothers, go ahead. I kind of interspersed some of my thoughts in there, so you guys take it now. So two things. Pastor One, Dembski. have we talked about what types are on this before? On Concord matters, like when we hear type, that it's not just a kind of thing. It's but... been a little while, I think. Okay. What's what's a type? Enlighten us. Well, the the was this your call-in question? Maybe. Excellent. <laughs> no, no. The I know uh, we talk about types and shadows, things that point forward, and so when we talk about the type represents, it's this thing that points us forward to Christ. Am I saying that appropriately? It is. I would. I my my stock definition of a type is. An Old Testament person, place, or event that points to a New Testament truth, usually Jesus. Um, and so these sacrifices are living, breathing, dying prophecies of Jesus, who is the great sacrifice, uh, if I can put it that way. I think that's a wonderful way to put it. It's how I was going to put it. And then you kept on. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't, no, no, actually, that wasn't. Okay. So thank you. No, and then the other thing I was uh, curious about when it talks about the Pharisaic opinion of the outward act, um, isn't that kind of the irony of all of this that the, the, the church in the Reformers day was doing pretty much the exact same thing as the Pharisees in Jesus day of saying, well, we did this stuff, therefore it's okay without the faith be in there or am I yeah, cup is clean on the outside just don't look inside right is that is that a fair I think that it is okay. I, I think you're on the right track there with with this idea that the focus became on the ceremony and the ceremony became the important part and the faith part became the the part that served the ceremony instead of the other way around where the ceremony serves faith I mean, this is where you have Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for their tithes, the the korban and their their cumin, korban not being a spice, but this idea that, well, yeah, you're you're actually taking God's gift and His law and abusing it in such a way that you're now gaining and benefiting yourself and your own personal comfort as a result of it. So, here, yeah, you're doing the outward act and it all looks good. But the actual reality, as he's talking to the Pharisees, is you're you're doing this entirely out of unbelief. You don't actually believe what this promise is for you. You're simply doing this thing for your own personal gain. Yeah. I mean, but in a sense, it almost becomes an idol for us, right? Oh, yeah. We start believing the work. We, we have faith in the work um, as as being able to save us rather than the words of promise. And, and that's, you know, kind of the point that you started to make before we had the caller um, uh, call in there. Um, uh, Layman Slayton, I th I, you were talking about this, the nature of faith. And uh, the thought popped into my head that, you know, if we t go back to our small catechisms, right, how can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? I love what, what we get there, this simple teaching. Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, mm -hmm. but the words written here given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. 
These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. It's directing us to, it's not in the things themselves, it's not doing in the work. That would be a work that then saves us, and that becomes a false idol. It's in the words of God that says, hey, look, this is what I'm doing for you. Believe that I am doing it for you in Christ and delivering it to you through these things. And that's that's the faith that saves. Same thing with baptism, same thing with everything that we live out in our Christian life. It's the work of God for you. Believe that. Trust his word of promise because he never fails that. Um, but uh, when, when we start getting uh, drifting into this kind of works righteousness, it's that old Reformation error once again, right? Uh, about 30 seconds left to go here, guys. Any closing thoughts? Nope, there's music. There's the music. So no closing thoughts from you. I get the closing thoughts today. <laughs> the closing thought is this. It is Jesus for you. You want Jesus to save you. Go find him. Believe his word of promise. Seek him out where he comes to us through his word and his sacrament. That comes to you every Sunday in the divine service. That's what we've been talking about today in the Mass. Thanks for stopping by, and until next time, keep confessing, church.